What up, though? Welcome to Throwing Stones. Alongside Ryan Griffin, I'm Matt Passon. If you don't know, you should know. We talking hoops and not just our beloved Pistons. Got a lot of college March Madness well underway. First round done. Second round done. We're going to be getting into the third and fourth rounds before we do all that. Got to remind you to like and subscribe on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Full episodes on YouTube. All right, Ryan, let's get it. One's struggling in this second round of the NCAA tournament. First tournament since the expansion, Ryan, in 1985, where there wasn't at least one number one seed to win their second round matchup by double digits. We'll start with Gonzaga. They held on, defeated Memphis, came back, trailing 41-31 at halftime. And this is right after 16-seed Georgia State stayed with the Zags until what? About halfway through the second half of their first round game. So a big struggle until Drew Timmy decided to gather his team, pointed the scoreboard at halftime, saying, I'm sure a whole heck of a lot of things that we can't say live on the air. But basically, this is not who we are. You better start fighting harder. And he led the charge 21 of his 25 points came in that second half, Ryan League and Zaga back to a win over Memphis, 82-78. I mean, it's it's impressive that they were they were able to come back because Memphis, I mean, they're a good team. They're really bad to start the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, you know, kind of playing your way all the way up to a nine seed is pretty impressive uh, in in and of itself after the way that they started. But they're kind of a hot nine seed or, you know, like a better a better team than a nine seed would have you indicate. And Gonzaga was able to, you know, do what they've done in the tournament for is their seventh year in a row now, I think, of making the Sweet 16 yep. and being able to advance past that first weekend, usually as a one or two seed because they always are hovering around 30, 31 wins. So t- for them to be able to kind of keep that consistency, it's a team that's been there before. You know, most of them I know Chet's obviously a freshman, but Mark Few's been there. Drew Timmy's been there. It's a program that's played in multiple national title games the last like six years. So they're, you know, they're experienced. And I think that experience helped show, you know, against a Memphis team who was pretty young. Uh, Penny Hardaway, still not much experience really at all. I think this is his first tournament uh, experience a, yep. as a head coach. So they were and able I to take last year or the year before, whatever non COVID. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they, uh, so they were able to take that punch in the first half and then, you know, come back on the second half, regroup, and then, you know, close out that game down the stretch. Man. Drew Timmy putting this team on his back, Ryan. Third player in the last 30 NCAA tournaments, joining Shaq in 92, Blake Griffin in 09, to have at least 25 points, 10 rebounds on 60% shooting in back-to-back games in the NCAA tournament. Man, literally put him on his back, but he had a little bit of help. You know, Andrew Nemhard with 23 points, Razor Bolton with 17 as well, and, you know, after... About 10 minutes remaining, Gonzaga kind of got control and just, you know, it wasn't comfortable, they, but they were able to keep Tennessee just at a little bit of arm's length to uh, to go on and win this game, even though it was tied at 66 late, but the Gonzags able to survive in advance, and that's literally the name of the game. Next up for them, a tough task taking on number four, Arkansas, in the Sweet 16. Kansas, another one of these ones struggling defeating Creighton 79-72. It was a one-point game at half. The most impressive thing to me about this, Ryan, is that Creighton did this with literally 
seven guys or six guys. No, sorry, six guys, six players. That's all they had to go against Kansas. You had uh, three different players play the entire 40 minutes, one go for 38 minutes, uh, and just for a team that didn't have people because they lost the, you know, they lost the, uh, you know, the Big East play of the year earlier in the season to risk their point guard in uh in ryan nemhard no i don't even know if he's good we'll have to find out if he's related to andrew nemhard of gonzaga that we just <laughs> spoke about but they lose seven footer ryan kalkbrenner uh to a knee injury late in their win over san diego state so six guys and somehow this team who were not good from three-point range were able to connect on 12 of 28 and really put a scare into the jayhawks yeah, I mean, when teams start doing things that, you know, you don't expect or that you don't think they can do, it really switches around mm-hmm. the entire game. Like if Shaq just went out here and started bombing away three-pointers, it'd be, <laughs> you know, it, it'd be really tough to stop because you can't plan for this specific thing. And I I probably Kansas just assume that they would, like, run, you know, they'd run out of gas eventually, right? Um and I think as a as a one seed, you can get kind of complacent in that regard. Or maybe these one seeds just aren't taking these eight and nine seriously, figuring that they should just have like a cakewalk, you know, to the Sweet 16. Um, because I think all of these one seeds, probably except for Gonzaga, have shown just all year, no, they're, they're really not infallible. And not that, you know, Gonzaga went through the regular season undefeated either. But this was a year, at least I think a lot of people felt, where they kind of knew who the top two or three teams were, but there wasn't like a UNC in 09 or what people might have thought about that Duke team, uh, you know, with Zion and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and everybody else, where you didn't just look at one team and think, oh, man, like this is the, this is the stuff. This is the team to beat. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that play out in these rounds, uh, specifically with, again, some of the lesser one seeds, if you want to call them that, you know, whether it be Kansas or uh, – you know, Baylor, you know, <laughs> I'm sure we're uh, about to talk about. Uh, yeah, I mean, and like you said, you know, I'm assuming the same thing you're assuming, that Kansas probably thought with Creighton literally only have six guys to play with, that they would just eventually wear out and wear down. And, I mean, that just really wasn't the case. Uh, you know, back-to-back buckets with under two minutes left by Creighton to make it a one-point game with under two minutes to go. But Kansas was able to again survive in advance. Name of the game next up for them uh, a number a matchup against number four Providence in the Sweet 16. Uh, for Kansas, a guy I can't stand because he spent all of his time at ASU. But Remy Martin really led the way for them with 20 <laughs> points. And uh, thanks to this victory, Kansas has now tied Kentucky in all-time wins and 30 win seasons. Each program now. This is just odd. Like, I don't, like I, after all the years of basketball, how two teams could do this. It's like what we saw like years ago when it was with Duke and North Carolina with like number of wins, mm-hmm. number of points scored in the game. Like everything was exactly the same. Sometimes sports gods have a sense of humor, but both programs now with 2,353 wins and 16 seasons with, the, with at least 30 victories. So props to Kansas. I can't stand Remy Martin, but the man definitely came off the bench and led the way for them to get them to survive and advance to the next round. The last one to survive and advanced, my Arizona Wildcats, got everything they could handle and then some from the Horned Frogs of TCU. Jamie Dixon, heck of a head coach, uh, not surprised. Uh, Arizona only led by three at the half. Uh, Arizona is one of the biggest teams in 
in basketball, period. They're the biggest team left in the NCAA tournament. You would think that would mean that they would dominate inside the paint. Ryan, you watched this game as well as I did. Arizona did not dominate inside the paint, settling for outside shots, playing right into TCU's hands, and the Horn Frogs took them down. And, you know, if not for a, what some are saying, a controversial no call <laughs> at the end of regulation, Arizona might be not playing this upcoming week and watching like you and I are. Yeah, I mean, uh, Arizona, they were they were shooting the three and they weren't making the three at all, mm-hmm. right? Five, five of 27 from three-point range, under 20%, which is just kind of unbe- unbelievably tough uh, for them to do. And, I mean, credit to uh, – I, I hope I don't pronounce the, the young man's name wrong. Is it Coloco? Uh, yeah. 12 yeah, of 13. Yeah, 12 of 13, playing 40 minutes, uh, 28 points. And then, you know, Mathurin, too, 30 points, another, you know, playing 41 minutes. Um, and these, you know, these guys just gutted it out. It wasn't a good performance from Kansas, you know, really by any means. I mean, they scored 85 points, uh, which is great. But letting TCU hang in there, not using, like you said, what everyone thought their physical, like, advantage would have been, right? If you just looked at these two teams, you could tell, oh, Arizona can just get closer to the basket and then dunk or lay it in all they want. And that was obviously not the case in this game, a much tougher test than I'm sure Arizona wanted. But, you know, on, on the bright side, Matt, for your team, I think every team in the NCAA tournament, you know, is is going to need one of these games to advance unless you're just like an all-time great team, which uh, like, sadly like, like you, North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> sadly for you, you know, Arizona isn't. But – I think these are the type of wins, not only for your team, but for the rest of the one seeds who did win. Uh, you know, they make your they make the rest of your tournament run. I think honestly, even just a little bit more promising, because you know from that 16 seed like blowout game that then you can go ahead and win a dogfight. Uh, you know, with a team that you're, you know, not really not expected to be in a dogfight with, but that you can close it out. You know, in overtime and in the final minutes of a game to just, like you said, survive in advance. Yeah, I mean, Benedict Mathurin absolutely put us on his back because Chuck O'Banion Jr., son of UCLA great uh, Charles O'Banion, career-high 23 points for TCU. Eddie Lampkin, man, that's a big boy. And he was playing like a big boy for most of that game and definitely gave our big boys everything they could handle. Uh, I hated every minute of it (laughs) because I was really hoping for a stress-free night because – the earlier game for us, which we'll get to a little bit later, was certainly not stress-free. It was a great game, but it was definitely not stress-free. This game, right along with that, not a stress-free game. The very good game overall, three-point game at halftime. Go to overtime, five-point win in overtime. Survive in advance. You'll keep me. You'll keep hearing me saying it. Uh, next up for them is Houston. A little bit of a silver lining with this TCU game is that Houston plays a similar style of defense and. This may have gotten us ready for this Houston team. I don't know. It's going to be very, very tough to take yeah. on Houston in a couple of days. Yeah, I mean that's the you know a popular upset pick now. Yeah, right? maybe not when people first started filling out their brackets. Nope. But watching these games, getting this this week to digest what we saw, uh, you know, from these teams and kind of recalibrate. It's a uh, a lot. A lot of people are you know picking Houston to to pull that upset off and for Arizona to be the next one seed to fall. Yeah. And so three of the four ones advanced. The fourth one did not advance. 
Baylor, defending champs, fall to upstart. <laughs> Can we call them upstart when they represent North Carolina? I don't know, but certainly when they're an eight seed, I guess you can. Uh, North Carolina, 25-point lead in the second half. And Brady Manick gets ejected. Caleb Love fouls out. Bears take advantage of 13 second-half turnovers to force overtime. But in overtime, North Carolina took it again and end up knocking off the defending champion Baylor Bears 93-86. to This was honestly, God, one of the craziest games I've ever seen like in my entire <laughs> life. You're up 25 points with 10 minutes left, and you – you feel like the game's over at that point because every game you've ever seen that was 25 points and only had 10 minutes left uh, has been over, right? It's ended in, uh, you know, at like the very worst, a 10 or 15 point victory. And Baylor came all the way back in North Carolina, took that punch from the defending national champion, which, you know, it's, it's weird to say that you can impressively dodge an all time choke job, but like mm-hmm. they did. <laughs> because giving up the 25 points, never want to do that, all-time horrible. But if you're going to give up the 25-point lead, you're probably going to lose that game. And then to do it, to come back in overtime and be able to, again, beat uh, the, you know, the defending national champions, a team that's, a team that's been here before, uh, I think at least that part of it was impressive. The collapse, not so much. It was, it was great television, mm-hmm. and it made you know, for a fun watch. But uh, absolutely nothing to write, write home about there. But again, I do think in the end of the at the end of the day, uh, it was impressive to kind of stave that off and shake off that that stink before going into overtime and then kind of imposing your will in that extra period. Well, something to definitely write home about for Brady Manick: twenty-eight points against Marquette when North Carolina absolutely rolled them. Twenty-six against Baylor before he gets ejected. So he has fifty-four points on nine for ten shooting from two, nine for eighteen from three, and nine for eleven from the free throw line. He is one of five Tar Heels ever with at least twenty-six points in consecutive games. Joining Lenny Rosenbluth, Phil Ford. The great Michael Jordan and Jay up for North Carolina. We got Blue Blood versus Blue Blood. They're taking on the four seed UCLA Bruins. Uh, so we have a very packed Sweet 16 as far as conferences. Uh, no league has more than three teams. Big Ten and SEC struggling. They're two of the you know bigger conferences, and all of their champions are out. Their regular season champions, Auburn for the SEC, Wisconsin, Illinois for the Big Ten, both gone. The league tournament champions, Tennessee and Iowa, both gone as well. But nine different conferences represented. Uh, college basketball, definitely nothing like it. Way better than football in this instance because everyone gets to play when it comes here. And speaking of everyone getting to play, we got a whole bunch of double-digit seeds still getting to play. Number 10, Miami. Number 11, Iowa State. Number 11, Michigan. And number 15, St. Peter's. The seed totaling for the remaining 16 teams in this dance, Ryan, is 85, which would only, which is astronomically huge. It ties for the third highest in tourney history along with 2000 and 2018 and the upcoming 10 versus 11 of Miami and Iowa State, just the fourth in tournament history. So double digits making themselves known in this dance, Ryan. Yeah, and if if your bracket's busted, they this is what you love to see, right? <laughs> if you have, like, no idea, uh, you know, if you have no chance to win, like, your bracket office pool or whatever you're in, 
right? You're kind of just rooting for chaos. And that's what, that's what I'm doing. Uh, I, so I'd love to see, you know, a, a St. Peter's make a run at a final four or really any team except Michigan uh, make a run. I'd be, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'd be all for, but I'd love to see it. I'm sure in a lot of these where I feel like in the Auburn region, I had them going to the final four. If there's a double digit seed left there, that's absolutely who I'm picking to win. Well, speaking of those peacocks of St. Peter's, uh, these guys, I don't know if they just have a, a vendetta against the state of Kentucky, but they certainly made it look that way as they took down number two, Kentucky, and then number seven, Murray State of Murray, Kentucky, to become the third ever 15 seed to ever advance to the Sweet 16, joining Dunk City, Florida Gulf Coast in 2013, and Oral Roberts last year, but not really last year because last year's was canceled because of COVID. So they don't really count it, and they count the year before that as last year's. But the, just the third 15 seed to do it. And, uh, I mean, you want to talk about guts and heart and toughness. This little school out of Jersey City has all of that in spades, Ryan. Yeah, and uh, I love it. I love that they're named the Peacocks because the only other team named the Peacocks is – the ULA Peacocks in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> no, no other team has ever graced that nickname. And for them to be doing it on this stage, taking out, you know, a traditional power in Kentucky, taking out, you know, their their state mate in Murray State, who most people probably know because John Morant, John Morant went there. So you have a little bit of a national brand there uh, as well. And, you know, just keeping, just keeping their run going. I'm sure they're – their coach is going to have a much better job than St. Peter's in a few very short years, maybe even after this tournament uh, concludes. But it's been an awful impressive showing from them. And to, you know, to win a round of 32 game in a game that, you know, you're not favored in shooting 23% from three, they only made three threes the entire game and they, they still won. So it's not like it was, you know, it's a fluky team who's out here bombing from deep and getting hot uh, and all of that. You know, they're doing it in some of the more traditional uh, basketball ways, uh, if you will. You know, out-rebounded Murray State 38-31 to 31, and just kind of getting getting down and gritty with it, if you would. And I'm, I'm all for it. I think we're all peacocks. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they're, they're defying their own convention. This is a, an offense that ranks 260th plus nationally in field goal percentage and they connected on more than half of their attempts from the field and from beyond the arc when they went up against Kentucky and they were able to play to Kentucky's weaknesses by trying to force Kentucky who doesn't like to shoot threes they packed the paint defensively and made them shoot from the outside and it absolutely played in their favor and they absolutely took advantage of it and then against Murray State where they are so bad on defense they are so good on sorry so bad on offense they are so good on defense and they held the Racers to 34% shooting from the field and just held on. They didn't trail in the final 30 minutes of the game, essentially. They just held on and kept keeping them at arm's length and pulled off yet another upset. Yeah, I mean, I outscored them in both halves by by five. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of controlled the game from what seemed like, it seemed like start to finish. Uh, so... Just so you're aware for future teams out there, if you are a two seed and the 15 seed you are facing is a bird mascot team, be very afraid <laughs> because the three 15 seeds to make it to the Sweet 16 are Peacocks, 
eagles, and golden eagles. So if you got a bird, you better run. All right. We got to talk about our teams. And I say teams plural, even though one of them is not ours, but we have too many people that work with us and are friends of ours, and they're doing better than we are now. So we got to talk about the run the Michigan Wolverines have been on as of late. A 76-68 victory over Tennessee. They have now joined very special company um, because since the field expanded to 64 teams in 1985, only six schools have reached the Sweet 16 five straight times. Now, there's an asterisk because last year's didn't happen, but it didn't happen, so it doesn't count. So for the first time under Jawan Howard and four times under John Bay- Bayline, they have now made it to the Sweet 16 five straight times, joining Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas, Kentucky, and North Carolina. I think it's I think it's two with Howard and three with Beeline. No, this was a tech, from what I'm, the last year's was his first year, right? Jawan Howard's first year coaching was last year. Yeah, and they made the elite eight. Not, am I am I missing a year? Yeah, they were in the elite eight last year because Baylor won last. What year. year was canceled? The year. Before. Oh, you're right. The year before. My bad. Okay, so three with Bayline with Beeline and two now with Howard. You're right. My bad. Yeah, I mean it's uh it, it's impressive. It's, you know, I guess it's kind of a weird stat. Um, I didn't know that they didn't expand it. You know, until like '85, and then I saw that, and I was like, oh, that's a weird starting point. And then you realize. That's because that's you know that's where they started, but uh, yeah, it's really impressive. Um, they made you know a, a national title in that span as as well, and even before that, you know they were having some success in the tournament before that. This like five years that's probably really six or seven um, type of run. You know they were in the championship game like nine years ago, so this isn't like out of nowhere for Michigan, and they become you know a really solid basketball program over the last like decade plus since beeline really started to get going and you no know, it seems like they come alive in march even you know when they don't have such a good team like this year right 17 and 14 uh in 11 seed who a lot of people had problems with either not being a 12 or not being in a play-in and they they kind of took it around with it now all those sins from the regular season are forgiven because because they made the sweet 16 right mm-hmm. now there's this great team again who is top six like to, to start off the year um, and their, their mid season follies or really their entire season follies uh, are kind of thrown out the window because they're showing up when it matters most. Uh, yeah. I mean, we talked about this team, you know, before the big 10 tournament started, you know, never really got any momentum going. They win, they lose, they win, they lose, they win. They, they haven't won back-to-back games in what feels like three months. And so, you know, you pick a heck of a time to break that streak. <laughs> the NCAA tournaments, definitely the time you want to break that streak. Uh, and they did it following their leaders. You know, Hunter Dickinson was an absolute beast against Tennessee. 27 points, 11 boards, four assists. And Eli Brooks, continuing to step it up, had seven of his 23 points in the final three and a half. Uh, they doing it with defense? I mean, you're talking about, you know, having a perfect game plan. Tennessee does what? They shoot the three really well. But what was Michigan's plan? Run them off the three-point line. They did it beautifully. Tennessee made 14 threes against Longwood. They made 12 against Texas A&M in the SEC Championship. Two for 18 from deep against Michigan this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was kind of an inverse of, you know, a game we're about to talk about, too, because Michigan was down, I think, 60 to 54 with just a few minutes left. And then they, they flipped it on. They made the plays that they needed to make 
towards the end, Eli Brooks hit that crazy shot to put Michigan up four with, I think, like a, a minute left or something. Um, when after Tennessee had had cut Michigan's lead back down to two, and you know, it was uh, a bunch of a bunch of really good execution from from Michigan. The second straight game where they were down at halftime, and then you know they they came back and won. Right. So what's your what you've at least seen from out the first two games in in the tournament is that this is a team that's not going to fold. They can go down at halftime and come back and still believe that they're going to win, which as much as it hurts me to say, that is the mark of a championship team or a team that wants to, you know, make a final four run because unless you're the aforementioned 09 Tar Heels, you're not going to be winning every game by, you know, 10 points. You're not going to go up into halftime up eight saying, oh, we should really be up 14. So for Michigan to do what they did in these first two games um, is really impressive. And, you know, now they get billed as as this double-digit, like, underdog, even though, you know, their talent and even past March success uh, probably earns them a little bit more respect than that. Yeah, I mean, they're in, you don't want to see majors as your double-digit opponent because the, they know how to go through the grind of a season. They know how to play in close battles. And Michigan proved every bit of that against Tennessee, like you said, down late and were able to come back and win. And, you know, they are absolutely clicking at the right time. They have the talent to keep this run going. And, uh, you know, we'll be following the Wolverines closely as the tournament continues to roll on. For our Spartans, it's not rolling on anymore. We had the bad luck. Bad luck. You know that this was scripted. You know CBS and and every sports fan wanted this. One more chance for Duke and Michigan State to battle it out in the NCAA tournament. I swear to God, you know, we're, we must be right behind North Carolina when it comes to Duke rivalries because Izzo and Krzyzewski have met each other so many times in the NCAA tournament. And just like most of the other times, Krzyzewski got the best of Izzo in this one. But, man, you got to give it to what the Spartans did because this has been a team that started the year beautifully. We were happiest. We were 14-2. and two earlier in the year and everything was roses and then it looked bad real 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 bad and then they started kind of clicking again right at the end of the season february ended the february Izzo slump which seems to happen with these spartans for some reason ended march got going the spartans got going made a you know a good battle of purdue in the big 10 tournament no moral victories but we were seeing the team take better care of the ball and they were fighting and fighting hard and they gave duke everything they could handle, including getting a five-point lead with a few minutes left in the game. But in those last few minutes, Duke was hitting shots that Michigan State wasn't hitting. They just looked a little bit tougher. All the stuff that we talk about as Spartan fans of being tough in the last few minutes, keep chopping our football team, all that stuff of keep chopping. Duke was able to do that where Michigan State wasn't. There were some you know, questionable calls, and you're always going to have those against Duke for some reason, but it wasn't the reason. Just in those last few minutes, Duke was just a little bit better than Michigan State, but, man, what a battle. So he, here's where I'm not going to give Michigan State a pass, <laughs> is they were up 70-65, to 65 and they lost the game 76-85. to 85. I'm not a math major. That sounds like a 20-6 to six run that Duke ended the game on. I mean, and how many of free throws afterwards from fouling, though? It's uh, it's it's still unacceptable. <laughs> um, you know, we we couldn't score. I don't, Duke was hitting some great shots. 
all game. They had the the one where they were up 75 to 74 with like a minute and a half left. And this dude just pulls up and hits a three uh, right in somebody's face. Very well defended to put it up for. And that's when you kind of thought, oh, like, okay, that's that's the game over. Um, but even in the first half when Michigan State, uh, again, they came out, I think they got like a nine to four lead um, in, in the first couple minutes. So from the gate, Michigan State was, you know, uh, uh, like out, out playing Duke. Uh, but Duke was able to keep it close with these tough turnaround jumpers, um, you know, some of these like really crazy acrobatic finishes. And it was just that kind of frustrating day where I'm not going to fault Michigan State for Duke making some some tough shots. That's going to happen. Tip your cat to them. I am going to fault them for faltering in the last few minutes, though, because just be, like because they had it right. They were up 70 to 65. Um, you got some. Big games from important players. Uh, Gabe Brown played great in the first half, kind of disappeared in the second half. Uh, Marcus Bingham had 16 and 10, three blocks, two steals. He was doing what you wanted. Michigan State as a team only turned the ball over seven times, which for them is incredible. Um, you know, Max Christie only had nine points, but hit some really big shots when it seemed like Duke was in danger uh, of pulling away. And Tyson Walker had 13 points and five assists off the bench. So for Michigan State, I think they played just about as well as they could. Uh, but instead of, you know, having an A-plus game, they probably had like an A or A-minus game. And that's what ended up costing them uh, in the end because they didn't have anybody that could guard uh, Banchero. Roach really got going in the second half. Um, it was the same thing with, with Williams. Uh, Duke was able to, you know, kind of get what – what they wanted, it seemed like when they wanted, and I think that was the the most frustrating part um, was just kind of the second half and really last like three minute blitz that they were able to put on MSU. I swear to my two teams have some similarities that drive me absolutely nuts, and they and I, they were both on display in these round of thirty two games where. I mean, Roach, is some is there anyone more aptly named than this kid to get into very tight spaces and score? You know, he got down into the paint so many times and scored where we couldn't do that. Same thing with Arizona and TCU. TCU was getting into the paint and getting close buckets where Arizona couldn't do that. Same thing with Michigan State and Duke. Duke was able to continue to continuously drive the ball, get near the hoop, and make plays. And Michigan State was not able to do that, settling for outside shots because we really couldn't get anything going in the paint. And this to me was the big that was the difference maker is Duke was able to get what they wanted from five to ten feet from the basket and Michigan State wasn't in those last few minutes and that's where the game turned completely in Duke's favor. Yeah, I mean we had some you know some no shows too, right? Uh, Julius Marble, a really bad game. Malik Hall, really bad game. Um, Hauser after dropping twenty seven points on Davidson in the first game and being the reason we were here in the first place kind of reverted back to to the Joey Hauser. Well, Duke he, did a good they, they recognized it. Anytime Hauser got the ball on the block, they immediately doubled. Like and, and even know where to go with it. And even like I'm you know looking at the box score here, like uh Jaden Akins. Like I know he's a freshman, but 15 minutes and he's got one shot attempt and it was like a step back three at the at the end of the buzzer. Um so I like I'm just shoot more or <laughs> like get aggressive like drive to the hoop get some fouls. Uh is I know, man, is it was frustrating. You know, Michigan State only shot 12 free throws, made 11 of them, so it was a, a real good free throw shooting day, um, <laughs> for them. 
and Duke got to the line, you know, to 21 times, um, the nine nine free throw difference, and at the end of the game, the uh, the score difference was was nine as well. So for Michigan State, you know, you probably just want to see some of these guys be a little bit more aggressive. You know, Hogard only uh, shot two free throws. Um, again, Aiken zero free throws. You know, Tyson Walker did uh, a better job getting to the line four times. But you know, I think I don't know. I feel like our guards should just uh, attack more. And I felt like we played guys a lot of minutes and didn't get a lot out of them, which I guess kind of makes the the almost victory, even though the, the end score wouldn't really indicate it, you know, a little bit more impressive. Uh, I mean, you can't you can't put too much into that end score. If all you see is the score, you go, oh, Duke won this game, you know, pretty easily, winning by nine, almost 10 points. Yeah. No, those were that was six free throws in the final 25 seconds of the basketball yeah. game. This was not a nine point game, but the free throw disparity that you just pointed out, that is something that played a factor. And look, again, I'm not going to blame the refs. However, there were plenty of times where Michigan State tried to get into the paint and make something happen, and there were no fouls called on plenty of plays that looked like a foul should have been called. It's always that way against Duke for whatever reason. They're really, really good, and they also get the benefit of the whistle. But for a Michigan State team with no no lottery players, there's nobody going in the NBA lottery from this Michigan State team right now. Sometimes yeah, not anymore. Makes a difference. Huh? Not anymore. No, not, not right now. Yeah, better but bring, you bring Duke yourself squad, back, Christy. You got a bunch of guys in that Duke squad you're going to be seeing playing in the professionals. Uh, it, sometimes that makes a difference. And, you know, this Duke team in a very similar spot against North Carolina a few weeks ago, shooting outside shots and giving North Carolina the game. They learned from that. They didn't settle for that against us when they were down five late in the game. They kept driving. They kept producing. And it made the difference in the end. And, uh, you know, one final time, Izzo falling to Krzyzewski. But it was an absolute battle. And, again, no moral victories. But – there is some hope for this Michigan State team if they're finally starting to play a little more like an Izzo team because Izzo teams have a lot of heart, a lot of grit, and a lot of defense. And we start we started to finally see that happen in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. And most of this team is coming back next year for Michigan State. So hopefully these guys, like Max Christie, like Hogard, like Tyson Walker, you know, like Jaden Atkins, we can see them grow up even more and really take us to the next level next year. You better, better hit the portal and find the center. <laughs> Let's say that much. We keep getting bodied by these bigs. All right, nothing else is going to matter. Well, uh, including uh, speaking of getting bodied, literally, Ryan, did you watch the latest episode of Winning Time? Yeah, I did. I bet Magic <laughs> didn't. Did you did you check that trunk? <laughs> Jesus. Man, uh, what a uh, we got introduced to Pat Riley, which was awesome. <laughs> Not what I was expecting from Pat Riley, but that was awesome. Uh, a lot, a lot came out of this episode of things I had, you know, they say at the end that some things were dramatized and we don't know hundred percent for sure. First of all, I didn't even know the Lakers were going for Jerry Tarkanian as their next head coach. Once Jerry West said, I'm done. Uh, never even heard of that. And that was an interesting entire situation all on its own um yeah magic continues to be portrayed as a uh traditional professional athlete <laughs> taking advantage of all the splendors that come with being famous and young and popular and all that uh any anything stand out <laughs> anything that you can talk about that stood out to you in this episode of winning time yeah i mean i i'd always just had the impression that pat riley was born cool where if this 
depiction of him is anything close to real life. This man learned how to become cool. Uh, apparently, after after he tried to coach and after after he was in the broadcast booth, because that is uh, not at all what I expected nope. Pat Riley to look like, to sound like, uh, or to act like. You know, he can't he can't even get into the the forum for an interview. Yep. Um, <laughs> Because his name's, you know, not not on the list. Uh, that's that was really it. I didn't know they were going after Jerry Tarkanian either, but you know, it it makes sense to me. Um, and yeah, I thought uh, Bus his his undressing of uh, an undressing we can talk about uh, his undressing of Jerry West in the first, uh, you know, kind of in the first scene where he's yelling at him mm-hmm. was really funny to me. And, and, and you're talking to a lifelong legendary, like the most legendary Laker at that point. And Jerry Buzz is like, this is my family. Get out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, the whole thing's fun because I, I wasn't alive during, during this run. So to see some of these characters be brought to life and guys that I didn't know about before, right? Like I knew who Jerry Tarkanian was. I didn't think he had any connection with the Lakers. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know who Norm Nixon was. Um, I didn't know the the previous owner, Cook, or whatever his last name was. For The first name slips my mind. Uh, Zastro, I hope that was a real character. Something tells me that was just for TV. But that made me laugh a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, just, just kind of the big idea that, or the big deal that it was for, uh, you know, for Norm Nixon to be in a movie. Um, you know, they mentioned Dr. J. I don't know that we really got to see uh, Dr. J and this... Uh, this weird Bill Cosby cameo that we got. I don't know, there's, there's a lot of things about this episode that made me laugh. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess that's just it. It was the funniest episode out of all of them to me. Uh, yeah, and there's a lot, obviously, we cannot talk about. But the uh, I didn't think the dichotomy of the phone call from Magic to his family back home was necessary. He told his mom he found a church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that, that was really i mean that wasn't necessary we didn't have to go that far <laughs> but folks if you haven't jumped on this show yet you should it's uh it's definitely it's definitely an entertaining one it's got great people great actors that you know if you've watched any kind of movies or television over the last 20 years you'll see a bunch of faces and names that you recognize uh it is absolutely worth it it's not just about the lakers it's about the NBA at that time, the world at that time, or the U.S. anyway at that time. Uh, yeah. It's it's def, you know HBO. They do a great job with their shows in general, um, and this one I think is going to be joining that ranks. Yeah, so the, the really the only other thing was the the contract negotiation uh, with Tark, where you know he threw out some number, and then Tark and then Tark or Tark's agent was like, "Over how many years?" And Bus was like, "Well, per year. What are we talking about? Yeah. Like, let's just sign." So you know, everybody, he, he didn't have the money to pay it. He didn't care. I don't got the money right now. I'll get the money. Find it, <laughs> find it later. Agree to it now. And then we'll, we'll talk about details. All right. To end the uh, episode the way we always do, NBA Twitter moment of the week. Uh, we had a bit of an argument on this one on what we thought it was. Ryan had his heart set on uh, LeBron and Kevin Love. So we're going to go with that one. But I got to give a uh, a special mention to Shaq. DJing, getting thrown a basketball, and hitting the free throw with the basketball. A little tiny one, obviously, uh, into a crowd with a little tiny hoop. But, uh, yeah, Ryan, set us up on uh, Kevin Love and LeBron James. 
Well, uh, LeBron James dunked on Kevin Love, you know, his one-time teammate, his one-time uh, sub-tweet subject victim, if that's <laughs> what you want to call him. Um, but he won a championship with them, the lone kind of member of those Cavs teams, or the, that Cavs team that won a championship that's still stuck in Cleveland. Um, but LeBron dunked on Kevin Love, and then uh, I think it was after the game, in the handshake line, Kevin Love, like, fake tackled LeBron. Headlock. As, uh, Headlock. Yeah. <laughs> he ran up to him, you know, to tried to give him the business. Uh, and then on Twitter, Kevin Love said, I'm not talking to LeBron for 48 hours or something like that. It's something he did to not that say effect. talking. No. He said, I'm not expletive deleted with LeBron for the next 20, 48 hours. So that was. But it's always nice to see, you know, every time they see each other, they do their same dap up that they did when they were teammates, you know, and it's. You know, for for someone who's stuck there because he signed a long contract with Cleveland, uh, it's nice to see Kevin Love smile and be happy every once in a while, uh, even if it is at his own expense, which definitely happened with that dunk by LeBron. Look, props to Kevin Love for trying to take the charge. He was not going to get posterized. He was not going to try and jump with LeBron and try and block that dunk because he knew that was foolish. So let me see if I can try and take this charge. And if they get the poster, if you get to where LeBron is, you're not really going to see where Kevin Love is anyway. So it's a perfect situation for him. Yeah, he just dunked on him. It wasn't uh, he, he didn't body him or anything like no. that. But it it was enough to make you know Twitter react, and obviously enough to make Kevin Love react. Because why do you got to do that? We're friends, yeah, right? <laughs> I just follow you. Go to the line. Yeah, you know, have to dunk it. Uh, you are not going to the wedding anymore. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Throwing Stones. We'll be back on Thursday talking to you while the NCAA tournament is going on. Don't forget, like, subscribe wherever you can find us. Like where Ryan's pointing. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, full episodes on YouTube. We appreciate you all sticking with us, and we'll see you guys again real soon. Go Pistons.